Thank you for tuning in uh, for another episode, another homily uh, from Contemplative Episcopalian, a podcast that is run by St. Paul's Episcopal Church. We're located in downtown Beloit, Wisconsin. Uh, for those of you who don't know our area, we're kind of like in between uh, Milwaukee and Rockford, um, kind of that, that area. So yeah, um, the name of this homily was delivered Advent for 2021. Name of this homily is Salve Regina. Uh, and as I've been saying uh, the last, at the end of the last few episodes uh, recently, if you would like to give and kind of support our cause, um, we are not a wealthy church. We are not a big church. Uh, and we are also living on the tail end, Lord willing, the tail end of a global pandemic. Uh, like many institutions, we've struggled. So if you would like to donate and just continue to help support the cause, we would be truly grateful. Uh, you can look us up, give us a Google, find our address and send a check our way, or there is an option to um, donate online if you would prefer to do that. Uh, we would be very grateful. Uh, just so you know, at the time of this recording, it is uh, getting close to Advent 4. I'm recording it before the actual service. Uh, we've reached 16,000 listens, which is pretty mind-blowing. In two two years, 16,000 listens is, um, that's pretty amazing. So I'm truly humbled. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support and especially for your prayers. Uh, Yeah. Don't just listen to me. Get the message out there too. Thank you again for tuning in. A reading from Luke. Mary sang, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. The Gospel of the Lord. The Magnificat. In our gospel reading for today, we encounter a pregnant, presumably unwed, poor, teenage Mary. Living not only in a man's world, but in a world that saw her and all women as nothing much more than mere property. Property of men. Property that could cook for men. Property they could clean 
for men, property that could produce children, heirs for men, property that could serve as objects of pleasure for men. No consent needed. Men do not need consent when it comes to the usage of their own property. Not only was she oppressed because of her gender, but her people were also marginalized because of their nationality. The Roman Empire was occupying the nation of Israel, her nation. Mary's people lived as second-class citizens in their own land. I mean, if she was a second-class citizen in her own, own people's eyes already, this was doubly true from the perspective of the Roman male gaze. And Mary was amongst the poorest of the poor. We were told that when Mary and Joseph took Jesus after he was born to the temple for the purification rites required by Hebrew law, that they made an offering of two doves or two pigeons. Now, the normal offering would have been a lamb, but Leviticus makes a special exception for people who are extremely poor. Birds could have been offered in the lamb's place. They were much cheaper to come by. So Mary and Joseph, the parents of the Messiah, the parents of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, they could not afford a lamb. So they offered birds. And Mary lived in a world where she had no rights. Property does not have rights. Mary lived in a world where she had no voice. Property has no voice. So much so that even Matthew's gospel, Matthew feels the need to compensate for this cultural reality, to compensate for this systemic misogyny. Why? Because he tells Joseph's side of the story, not Mary's. The angel comes to Joseph, not Mary, in Matthew's story. The Lord reveals his plans to Joseph, not Mary, in Matthew's story. I don't think it's because Matthew was actively trying to suppress Mary's version of the story. I just think he knew that by telling the story from Joseph's perspective, it would have had more credibility in the culture's eyes at that time. Either way, make no mistake about it. God chose Mary. She was, she is, the Theotokos, the mother of God. She is the one who gave birth to the Christ child. Hers was the womb that carried divinity within it. Her body was literally Christ's consecrated holy temple for nine months. You all, I am so tired, so tired of talking about Advent and Christmas from within the mindset of a conservative American traditional value system. I'm tired of a Christmas story that focuses mainly on the fetishization of babies that focuses mainly on fuzzy feelings around family values. I'm tired of a Christmas story that focuses mostly on cute and cuddly barn animals gathered around a cute and cuddly infant in a manger scene. 
I'm tired of a Christmas story that basically sees Mary as nothing more than a white, suburbanite, middle-class soccer mom. When Mary was one of the most radical, badass human beings to have ever existed. Don't get me wrong, I have nothing against babies, or families, or barn animals, or white folks, or the middle class, or the suburbs, or soccer moms. Soccer moms can be pretty badass too, by the way. But that's not what this story is about. It's not about taming Mary and her story, making it neat and tidy to accommodate our modern sensibilities and values. I'm tired of all the ways in which we suppress the real Mary as we retell her story. Make no mistake about it, my friends. Without Mary, there would have been no Jesus. No Messiah. No kingdom come. If she never would have cried out in birth pangs, Jesus never would have cried out on our behalf from the cross. Without Mary, there never would have been this thing called the church. Without Mary, there never would have been great saints, no apostles, no St. Francis, no desert fathers and mothers, no Mother Teresa, no Julian of Norwick, nor no Desmond Tutu, none. Without Mary, there never would have been a St. Paul's Episcopal Church Beloit. Without her, you and I would not be in this place today. We would not know each other 2,000 years later had Mary not prayed, let it be. 2,000 years ago. So what is this whole gospel story about then? It's about how a poor, unwed, pregnant, marginalized teenage girl changed the entire course of human history. That is what it is about. Through her, the strength of God's arm has been revealed. Through her, prideful men are scattered in the thoughts of their hearts. Through her, the lowly have been lifted up and the mighty have been ripped from their thrones. Through her, the hungry have had their fill of good things, while the rich have been sent empty away. Through her, through her life, through her circumstances, through her story, through her femaleness, through her body, salvation has come into this world. Salve Regina. Hail Mary, full of grace. For she gave birth to salvation and she nursed it, literally. Salvation did not come into this world through Herod. It did not come into this world through Caesar. It did not come into this world through the Pharisees or the Sadducees. It did not come into the world through the high priests or any priest for that matter. It did not come into the world through any temple. It came into this world only through the temple of her body. It came into this world through a woman who called herself God's lowly servant. Mary lived in a world that told her that she would amount to nothing. That she was basically nothing. But this woman who was once called nothing, and even a whore by some, is now called the Queen of Heaven. This woman, who once was treated like mere property, is now, as one of the most amazing hymns ever written says, more honorable than the cherubim, 
and more glorious beyond compare than the seraphim. All because she believed more in God's vision for her life than the patriarchy's vision for her life. All because she believed more in God's role for her than the role society had prescribed for her. All because she said, let it be to God and not to the societal norms of her day. Many men have villainized the female body, demonized it, believing it to be nothing more than an object that leads them into temptation. But God, God believed that there was no more suitable temple for the son's presence than the female body. The Holy Spirit consecrated Mary's body. It was her body that gave life to and that nourished the Messiah. And many men have suppressed women, claiming that women should know their place. But have they not heard that according to some of the most beautifully written hymns of all time, a woman's proper place is one that is more honorable than the cherubim? and more glorious beyond compare than the seraphim. A woman's glory surpasses that of the angels. Some men have actively oppressed women, claiming that women are the so-called weaker sex, that they aren't as strong or as mighty as us men. But here's the truth. Countless men have fought tooth and nail to change the world for the better through their military might, through their power, to establish peace on earth. Countless men have fought, bled, and died to establish their own versions of the kingdom of God here on earth, but to no avail. Men have been failing miserably at this for all of human history. But Mary... All she had to do was whisper the words, let it be. And a tidal wave of grace and love flooded the entire cosmos. One woman's let it be was enough to change the entire course of human history, to break open the floodgates of salvation. One young woman's let it be was more earth-shattering than any display of power through Caesar's military might. One young woman's let it be was more liberating than all of the teachings of the religious leaders combined. Her let it be was more revolutionary than any revolution this world has ever known. For the kingdom of God is now in our midst. Men have fought and fought, but their dreams may never come true. But one young woman rested in God, and God's dream for our world came true. My friends, Meister Eckhart said once that if the only prayer you ever pray in your entire lifetime is thank you, that would be enough. 
But I tell you that Mary has taught us a better way, a better prayer, the epitome of all prayers, the world's most perfect mantra. If the only prayer you ever pray in your entire life is let it be, that would be enough. Why? Because it would be enough to transform you into Christ's temple. It would be enough to strengthen you to birth the kingdom of God in your world. It would be enough to empower you to change the entire course of human history. So let it be. Let it be. Whisper those words of wisdom and let it be.